As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome to Catch and Shoot 2.0. I'm Otto Strong, along with my partner, Aaron Berlin, who's probably going to tell you something about Kansas. It's always a great week when we get to talk a little Kansas Jayhawk basketball, but we're taking a short break during this NBA offseason, but there's never a break from great content and Kansas basketball from Catch and Shoot 2.0 and Pure Hoops Media. Here's one of the great interviews we had over the last year or so, which we think you'll enjoy. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Today we have the pleasure of being joined by Jared Greenberg, who has been in the bubble for, he's going to give us the exact count, but I believe it's north of 65 days, maybe even closer to 70. Uh, Jared, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. I, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I'm in the home stretch. And uh, I, I know what my end date, the latest it could possibly be now. So uh, it's been 70 days. It's been, um, it's been an experience I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, I don't want to try and make people feel sorry for me by any stretch of the imagination because I know there was only a handful of us who got the uh, unique pleasure and honor of being in here. Uh, but there has certainly has been um, – had some struggles and and some as we all know we all are living through different times it's been weird to say the least i i phrase it as you know i think it's a weird social experiment that's being done on all of us here inside the bubble but you know to see the, the high level of basketball and to be one of the few people who's been here particularly for this long has been it's, it's really been really cool Jared, how has the experience changed throughout those 70 plus days? Like, take us from the moment you step foot on the Disney campus to, you know, some of the things that you've been a part of during this run have been remarkable and they've been game changing for lack of a better word. Yeah. So um, I don't know if you guys have five hours to, for me to go through all of it, but I'll try and I'll try and summarize as best as possible. Um, I think um, the best way to put it, at least early on, and I guess still to this day is it's been fluid. Um, the the rules and the goalposts continue to change and move um, in terms of what the doctors and the lawyers have agreed upon is what some of the rules and guidelines are here and what some of the parameters of what we're allowed to do while we're here. Um, and you kind of expected that. I I, I really did expect that. Uh, because nobody's ever done anything like this before, ever, right? And and at the scale they're trying to do it at, um, you know, people I think have still to this day when I speak to them have this impression that there's only like basketball players inside the bubble, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, when 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 
people talk about the, the games being played in front of em, in, in empty gyms, that's not necessarily true. Um, albeit it's not a 20,000 seat sold out NBA arena that we're accustomed to. There's still probably a couple hundred people in every gym. And there was, I believe at one point at the height of it, 1,300 people inside the real inner bubble that we have. And there's different layers to the bubble. Um, you know, we are in what's called the green zone, which is the innermost bubble where we're allowed to uh, interview players. We're allowed to be next to them within, obviously, the six feet of social distance. Uh, but, you know, a lot, a lot has changed. But, but the one thing that hasn't changed, and, and this, is, this is not me blowing smoke. This is 100% uh, authentic from, from my vantage point is how safe I have felt from moment one stepping foot on campus through now what is day 70. Um, it's crazy the parameters that they took and at it seemed as if, you know, and I don't want to speak for anybody because I don't know the figures on this, but like it never seemed like money was an object when it came to keeping everyone safe and healthy. And that was priority number one. And it's crazy. And I just got back from media day from speaking to some of the players. And, you know, I posed this question to Jimmy Butler and, and he, he acknowledged how crazy it is that we've gotten to this place and gotten to this place without any, any record of anybody, players or otherwise, who have tested positive, let alone gotten sick while they've been down here. And you look at the world around us and you say, wow, uh, okay, if the NBA, an organization, which is essentially an entertainment company, can put this together, why can't the government do something like this, where not only are we tested on a daily basis, every single day I have to get tested, but within a matter of hours, I receive my results. And then there's still all these redundant uh, parameters taken and measures taken to back up the daily testing. Even, you know, I can't, I can't tell you how many people have questioned me on air when I'm on TNT or NBA TV and they say, why are you wearing a mask? You're inside of a bubble. Everyone's getting tested every day. Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. And one of them is because you're not 100% sure after you take a test that you haven't come in contact with someone who's got the virus. And so we're socially distancing. We're trying to eat our meals outside when it's not raining, which it seems like it always is down here in Orlando. But all of these different measures have been taken that are unbelievable that, that have made us all feel so safe in here. And um, it's, 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 you know, I call this a wild social experiment. I, I just hope there are people around the world paying attention to what the NBA was able to pull off here because, you know, even today we find out the news uh, about, you know, some NFL teams that, that have some, some, um, some flare ups in, in their own, um, training camps or their own uh, facilities. And, you know, that was expected to happen here. Like Adam Silver acknowledged before we got off the ground that there would be some positive tests. We've now been down here for almost three months and there's been none. Jared, that's a really good point. And it's something that I've thought about for a while is, you know, when you look at the NBA Players Association and the NBA as a whole, the working dynamic that those two groups have between each other, I think has been the strongest amongst the professional sports organizations. What does it say about their working relationship compared to when you analyze it with baseball and football who have had problems? And it seems like the NBA, for all the steps that they took, 
didn't have any issues getting this off the ground and then getting it implemented once they were there. Yeah. And, and knock on wood, Aaron, you know, we, we still got two weeks to go and, and hopefully everything's okay. And I, I think that's what's, that's what kept everybody on their toes here. Like every time you pass another benchmark, you don't have time to pat yourself on the back. And what's been crazy uh, about, about this and we get, you know, I don't know, every couple of weeks, we either get an email update from some of the people uh, around campus or we, we do a Zoom call where they kind of update us on some changing of policies or, or how we're doing. And the one thing they've never done is loosen the restrictions because, because less people are on campus or because we've gotten to week whatever or month whatever and we're near the finish line. Like they want to finish what they've started. And, and I can't speak to the other sports because I don't, I don't cover them on a daily basis, like I cover the NBA, but I, I can just speak to, you know, there is, there's a common mission among all parties here. And, and that's, you know, the ownership level, that's the players association. And I think too, we need to be honest about what a lot of this is about the economics, the financial part of it. And the TV partners are paying, uh, you know, a lot of, 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 of the basketball related income or revenue that, 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 that comes in, uh, to the NBA. So I think there's an understanding of, yeah, we're going to keep, we're going to try and make some money here. Or we're going to try and preserve some of these financial interests we have, but we're not going to do it. We're not going to compromise the health and safety of anybody participating in this to accomplish those goals. And I, I just think that's, that's really cool of this league. And, and listen, I was fully expecting there to be some hiccups and, and we got two weeks to go. Who knows? And maybe we find out you know, in a month or, or six months or three years from now that there were some hiccups that we never knew about. I don't know. But it certainly seems like, you know, to your point, that there's, a, um, there's, there's an aligned thought process of all parties in, interested, invested uh, in this, or invested, I should say, in this, to, to uh, you know, produce a product, to do it the right way, and to entertain and provide to, to its consumers, what they've been craving for, for the last several months. Hey, Jared, I want to take you back uh, about a month or so ago. So for, let's say that you guys have been doing some phenomenal uh, interviews, not, you know, not just the ones that, uh, you know, that, that occur in the, you know, in the, in the media scrum, but the, those that you, in which you talked earlier about being, having to be six feet away from somebody and having, yeah. having post-game interviews. But I want to take you back to the, the, the uh, game six after the, uh, uh, Nuggets uh, v. Utah. Uh, yeah. Jamal Murray scores 50 points. I'm sure you, you probably still have that fresh in your mind. And Jamal was, was really, I mean, really emotional. Uh, and uh, just uh, want to acknowledge the, the, the class and the professionalism that you exhibited while you, you just stuck with him and gave him time to, to kind of compose himself. But can you talk about that interview, as well as maybe other interviews, and how the, the bubble atmosphere seems to uh, I don't know what it is, but it seems to bring more out of the players. Or maybe it's just your special skill. You're able to get more out of these guys. <laughs> um, first of all, you, you said that was a month ago. If you would have asked me before you asked me that question, how long ago that was, I would have said like three months ago. I, I, there is no sense of time in, in the bubble. It is unbelievable. Like LeBron was asked today how long he feels like he's been in here. He says it's felt like five years. I'm right there with him. And, and I don't have nearly the physical impact on my body that he does. But, um, but yeah, um, you know, and I've had some of those moments too with, with LeBron. I've been fortunate to have a lot of Laker games on my schedule. Um, you know, th 
as I mentioned, I, I knew coming into to the bubble, it was going to be a historic event, no matter what happened, right? Just because, as I said, we've never done this before. Um, and then when you add in all the other layers, uh, the climate, you know, with, with the social injustice, racial injustice, um, you know, the political climate that, that's going on with, with the uh, uh, election that's coming up, with, with the separation of being away from your friends and family for so long, I think it builds up a lot. I went into my interviews, and I'm, I'm not trying to outsmart anybody, I promise you, but I, I went into my interviews with a di different thought process here than I ever have before. And it simply came down to being committed to what I think is important that we all do more of, which is listening and understanding. And, you know, I'll, I want to get to the Jamal Murray one, but I want to start with opening night for me. I did Lakers Clippers and LeBron James hit the game winning shot against the Clippers opening night. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, and the first, I knew that that was so significant from a basketball standpoint, but I also knew that if I asked LeBron James a basketball question, or if I asked him about that game winning shot, he was going to blow me off and he was going to go talk about what he wanted to talk about. So I gave him the space in that opportunity to address some things because it was his first one-on-one -on -one interview in four months to address some topics that were probably more prevalent on his mind. And because it was ju just a regular season game, it wasn't necessarily the most important thing that he hit the game winning bucket. And so that helped, you know, get me to, from interview to interview to interview and kind of read the room. There were some guys who, and there's, and listen, I, I don't fault there any, I don't judge. I just know there are some guys that I interview that just want to talk basketball. I know there are some guys that would rather not talk about basketball. I know there are some guys who want to talk about themselves. They want to talk about their teammates. I know there's some guys who don't want to talk about their teammates. They want to talk about themselves. And with Jamal Murray, I didn't, I don't know him that well. I've interviewed him, a, you know, a ha handful of times, never in that situation. And I knew he was emotional during the game, but more importantly, I thought, or not more importantly, but more significantly in my mind, I thought he was exhausted because there were a couple of moments that I was watching really closely during the fourth quarter of that game when he went down to his knees, put his hands on his knees, and I just thought he was exhausted after that, that you know, must-win game. And then when he came over to interview me, he looked me in the eye and I didn't see any issues, and then he went down, put his hands on his knees again, and I didn't realize he was gathering himself. I thought he was catching his breath. And maybe he was as well, but then he, he, he wrote, his body rose up and he looked at me and I saw his eyes swelling and I was like, oh man. And that's when I put two and two together that I knew he had the, the shoes on, the picture on, on one shoe of Breonna Taylor and a picture of George Floyd on, on the other shoe. And it kind of all just like, you know, it was like, oh, that, this, that's what's happening. And, and I think, you know, in those moments, you have to make a decision of do you respect the player on the on the side of let him go gather himself we can do this another time or do you say you know what he's allowing himself to be vulnerable in this moment because he has something to say and if we just take a breath we just take a beat and listen just listen and allow the moment to evolve he'll get to where he needs to go he'll 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 talk he'll 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 gather himself and be able to talk about what he wants to talk about. And I think that's eventually what happened. And, 
And for a young player in that moment, and I think that's what impressed me the most about being here in the bubble is, is how many young players were willing to stick their neck out and speak out and be a leader, even if in past generations of the NBA, we would look at these guys and say, well, hold on, you're, you're not ready for that. You, you, you don't have the right to speak out. No, what we're learning is if you have an opinion, the NBA is going to encourage you to use your platform to speak up. Jared, and that's a, that's tremendously well said on so many accounts. You know, the thing I keep going back to is there's going to be a lot of journalism classes, you know, whether it's at my alma mater, the University of Kansas, your alma mater at Hofstra, who analyze the interviews that you and your counterparts have done in this bubble scenario and how you've not only blended sports, but you've blended culture and you've yeah. used it as a platform to raise their voices. For a lot of young journalists and a lot of young reporters who aspire to be sideline reporters and hosts like yourself, what are some of the intricacies of being a moderator in that situation and giving them the space and giving them that platform while making sure that you get your question asked, but you also are respectful of their time? I've spent, Aaron, a lot of time thinking about this here in the bubble because I knew, I knew from day one um, that it wouldn't be just basketball. And, you know, it wasn't up to me to decide whether that's right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, I think that the number one conclusion I've come to, and this sounds so freaking obvious, and I like, it pisses me off that I didn't think about this sooner. Um, even though we've all kind of thought about it, I don't necessarily know that we practice this. I've started to really harp on myself to ask questions that I don't know the answer to, that I want to learn more about. I think too often in interview situations, whether it's podcasts like this, or whether it's a walk-off interview at the end of a game, or whether someone's calling into a radio show, we asked questions because we want a certain answer. And I'm not necessarily saying that's always wrong, but I've tried now to pride myself on not trying to lead the person I'm interviewing down a tunnel to answer the sound bite that I want. Typically in life, when you're having a conversation with one of your friends, you ask them a question because you don't know the answer. You don't ask them a question because you know the answer. If you knew the answer, you wouldn't ask a question. So I think that's the first thing is ask questions because you want to know what the answer is, not because you know what the answer is. Otherwise, you would not ask it. The, the other part of it is, is there has to be a blend in sports in particular of preparation and reaction. And it's the hardest thing to do, but you have to start to think about your post-game questions or my end-of-quarter questions that I have with the coaches, which is the most awkward thing in all of media, and it's the dumbest thing, but it is what it is. You have to start thinking about those questions early in the day. But then you have to be willing to adapt and react to what happened in the game and make a decision on whether the questions you had early in the day or the themes that you were playing off of early in the day still make sense for you to ask. And I'm not necessarily saying that I come up with my questions at three o'clock in the afternoon for a post-game interview, but I know that, for example, there was one game where I had LeBron where he became 
the winningest player in playoff history past Derek Fisher. I knew that if I was going to interview LeBron, that was going to have to be one of the questions because it was a historic moment in the NBA. But, you know, you have to be willing to, you have to allow yourself to watch the game, listen to your broadcasters. One of the other things we do too is we really pride ourselves on this at TNT is we listen really closely to what the guys in the studio say at the, in the pregame show, at the halftime show, and we want to react off of that as well. So I think it's, it's just a combination of your prep, your reaction, and your willingness to listen to what's happening and follow up, right? Like, don't just, don't just skip over their answer because you've got your next question lined up if they've said something that deserves a follow-up question. Hey, I'm sorry you have to have to listen to everything that Chuck says and follow up on that because <laughs> sometimes that's a job. No, but in all seriousness, um, so you've been inside the bubble. You've had a, a, a unique glimpse into something very rare that very people get to see. And you've obviously covered games outside the bubble. So fast forwarding a couple of months when they start the 2021 season, how is this supposed to work from your perspective? I don't know, man. I like... I know this is not going to work again. As, as successful as this was, there's no way anybody's doing this again. Um, I think, you know, ownership wants to wait. The, the read I get is they want to wait and delay next season as long as possible to be able to get at least some fans in the stands. How they do that, whether there's a vaccine or whether the, the virus is under control, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know how they do that. Um, but I do know something, and, and I think both of you being, I can tell the, ba- the type of basketball fans that you are, um, from the time I've been 15 years old, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating, from the time I've been 15 years old, every time I've walked into a basketball gym, whether I'm covering like a high school game when I was younger, whether I was covering college games, or whether I was covering NBA games, something happens to my body every time I walk in, particularly to an NBA arena. Like, I just get this rush of adrenaline. And it doesn't matter whether it's a regular season game or, you know, the greatest game I ever went to, which was game seven of the 2016 NBA Finals. Like, I get that adrenaline rush. I've not gotten that one time here. And it's mm. so freaking weird because mm. these are some of the biggest games that we've seen in a long time. There's so much on the line. There's so much drama. The games themselves have been way more competitive than anybody could have ever have imagined that they could be or hoped that they would be but not having 20,000 fans not having the booing or the cheering or you know a guy at a free throw line with you know everybody ready to razz him if he misses it like we miss that a lot like these games as great as they have been to watch on television have been sterile in the building and there's nothing the NBA could do about it like it's not their fault Nobody did anything wrong. We just need the fans back. It makes the game more special. Absolutely. And it's fun to see them up on the screens cheering on their yeah. fans. But, you know, our own Bruce Bernstein has done it. He's been a virtual fan. He said it's not the same. You can't replicate that experience right. of 20,000 fans being in arena. But all right, Jared, we'll let you go on this. Uh, two quick questions. They're easy ones. Who are you taking between the Lakers and the Heat? And then the last question, what's the first thing you're going to do the second you step outside of that Disney campus? I don't know which question is more difficult. Um, I really want to say the heat. Um, can I be honest about this, guys? I'm going to just call myself out because 
uh, was it cold take or frozen takes exposed might get me sooner rather than later. Um, I didn't pick the heat to make the playoffs this year. And now they're in the finals. I, I just thought they were too young. I didn't see Tyler Hero making this impact. Who knew Duncan Robinson would be like the next Clay Thompson. Um, but what they have shown me is, and a lot of people are comparing them to the 04 Pistons who, you know, coincidentally beat the, the Lakers and ended the Lakers last dynasty that they had. Um, like nothing would surprise me because the, the bubble fits the Miami Heat. So many people asked me before coming into the bubble, who's, who gets the edge? Is it a younger team, an older team? What we found out is it's mostly younger players have the edge here because they're not distracted by the calls from home. Where, when are you coming home? You know, you're not helping out with the kids, all that type of stuff. But it's the team that's committed and the team that just says, you know what, this is a business trip. This is not a vacation. Um, and that's why I think they have been able to have a lot of success on top of their talent. It wouldn't surprise me if the Heat won, but I'm going to go Lakers and six. And the first thing I'm going to do, I really need to detox because there's not much to do inside the bubble. So um, we find ourselves at the bar a lot. Matter of fact, if you guys want to talk for longer, that'll delay me going to the bar tonight. So um, probably probably detox, but I need I need some good I need some like good fresh fish. I need like maybe some lobster, maybe some salmon, uh, maybe some maybe some sushi. I just need some fresh some fresh food. And then I'm going to do a long detox and start to exercise a lot uh, to get ready for next season. Awesome. Well, if you're looking for a good bar, as it sounds like you might be, there's a good one at the Polynesian called Trader Sam's. It's not too bad if you haven't been there just yet. Well, I, no, we can't go there. I mean, don't tease me with these things. <laughs> there's like one place I'm allowed to go, and that's not it. You, oh, like, man. People, you don't understand how many people have hit me up by saying, oh, uh, that, that live around the area. Hey, let me stop by. or you know, you should really go to this place or go to this golf course or go check out this. No, we can't do anything. And like people don't understand. I spend more time in this room, this, you know, hundred foot square foot hotel room than I do any place else. And it's been 70 days. <laughs> well, we're excited for the season to be over. We're excited for you to get home and for you to be Thank able you. to detox. And Jared, thanks so much for taking the no, time. You got it, this has been no, fantastic. I really appreciate you guys reaching out. I've enjoyed what you guys have been doing, and uh, thank you for having me. That was dope. If you'd like to hear more of Catch and Shoot 2.0 and all the Pure Hoops media has to offer, you can find us on our website and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find the video versions of Catch and Shoot Quick Hitter, as well as some fun video segments from all of our other shows here on the Pure Hoops media YouTube channel. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.